This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the first step of our sales process evangelism. Uh, It's a method that we're going to be outlining from our previous episode. The first step, if you'll recall, is prospecting and lead generation. And it deals mostly with solving a common puzzle. You're interested in sharing your faith. And presumably there is someone out there who would uh, not only be willing to hear you out, but they'd actually be interested in what you have to say. Uh, The puzzle is, how are we going to get the two of us in the same room or the two of you in the same room so that conversation can actually happen? And uh, that's going to be what we're going to be discussing in today's episode. By the time we're done, uh, you'll have some practical ideas that you can apply. Uh, But more importantly, we want to be able to give you a way of thinking about each step so that you can begin generating your own ideas basically teach a man to fish, right? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a day. No, that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Remember it? Do do you know what that actually is? Oh yeah. You uh, teach a man to teach a man to fish and he can eat for, no, give him, give a man a fish. He can eat for a day. Teach a man to fish. He can eat for a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) So you absolutely can hear the fact that I have a cold. So I have even more, I have like my double podcast voice going right now. <laughs> so apologies for that, but we'll, uh, we'll do our best to, to muddle on through if you can put up with me. But anyway, so yeah, like Brady said, we're, we want to give you some, some of your own ideas so that you can apply this whole concept of how do I intentionally generate more conversations based on where I live, where I work people that I know and and the places that I frequent. So in order to do that, we need to lay some initial principles. And we touched on one of them in our last episode, which was that idea that rather than seeking one way to generate a hundred leads, it's better to seek a hundred ways to generate one lead. And that's not just because you know the conventional wisdom about putting all your eggs in one basket, although that's That's a part of it. But another key reason for doing it this way is because when you're marketing your message, whenever someone, uh, you know, company or whatever is marketing their product or their message, people differ in the kinds of marketing messages that resonate with them. And so if we think about it, I mean, think about the different mediums, marketing mediums that you have advertising pushed to you through every single day, right? And there's you, a lot of them, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. If you watch TV or even internet TV, you're going to get commercials. You're going to get ads, video uh, ads. You're going to get, you get emails all the time. Probably 85% of your emails are junk or ads or At least. yeah, all that stuff. Radio. If you listen to radio, there's definitely still advertisements on radio. If you're surfing the, the internet, 
you're used to seeing banner ads and pop-ups. Got all of those pop-ups. Also, I mean, even on mediums like podcasts, you'll get a lot of sponsors and brought to you by messages that you need to listen through. Uh, billboards, flyers and mailers, signs, and the people who flip them. I feel like that should be a Jeopardy category. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot more. But it's the the point is, is that there's no one out there who's paying for these ads expects that all the people, I mean, or f- frankly, even most of the people who see or hear that ad are going to respond. What they're doing is they're playing a numbers game. And, you know, it's essentially just if I tell enough people, odds are that sooner or later, I'm going to be talking to someone who's interested in hearing more. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. But I think the issue with these uh, types of marketing is that they're not very targeted. Not at all. Uh, You know, some of these things like the online ads or, you know, emails that you're going to get inundated with. They they're just coming by your way simply because of your search history. You happen to fall into some target demographic and it's not because you're actually in- interested. Think about those, you know, pet ads you get when you don't even own a pet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the same thing is true for evangelism. Uh, hypothetically, you know, you could stop every single person in the grocery store and ask them if they'd like to talk to you about their life's biggest questions with you. But statistically, if, if, you, if that's you, I want to be there in your grocery store. <laughs> yeah. That would be watching fun to audit. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like we talked about, you know, statistically, you know, even if you were to ask a couple of people to take you up on it, you're spending a lot of energy uh, for a very low return on your investment. And you remember we talked about the street witnessing, they're ranked pretty low, universally low among all of the different methods that we have for starting those spiritual conversations. Yeah. That Barna study, it was the lowest ranked method across all categories of people who were open to having spiritual conversations. Everybody ranks street witnessing as the last way that they would want to have a spiritual conversation initiated with them. Yeah. So the, the question really becomes, you know, is there a way that we can work smarter and, and uh, not have to be working harder and, you know, dramatically or drastically increase the, you know, the return on the investment based off our time and the energy that we're, we're putting into it. Yeah, I mean, what we're trying to say with this is not that this is the right way to do it or here is the process and you can you can do no other, right? What we're what we're essentially the idea here is that we all have limited time, we all have limited resources, and so given that fact, when it comes to evangelism, are there ways, are there methods, are there things that you can do that are going to result in a, on average, a higher number of actual spiritual conversations that you're having as opposed to any other way that you could go about this? And the answer to that is, uh, of course there is. If not, I, I kind of half kicked around saying, well, nope, and, and playing the outro music. But <laughs> <laughs> no, of course there is. And so that's what we're going to cover in today's episode. And our goal is to give you some big ideas that you can use, like Brady said, as a template. We don't want to tell you, hey, you need to do this. This is what is going to work and anything else won't. But rather to, to give you some ideas to say, think this way about how you strategize or approach or, be, or how you are intentional about essentially marketing Jesus to those in your life. And so in order to do that, there is a key, another key principle that we didn't cover last week that is foundational 
to fruitful lead generation. And that is a principle that is known in some circles as dig your well before you're thirsty. And I mean, there's been entire books that have been named after that saying on marketing and lead generation. But the concept is just that generating leads and prospecting, it's an ongoing, it's a continuous thing. And so sometimes, I mean, hopefully you're going to be able to move further along in this process with someone. But even when you're doing that, you should continue to keep doing this stuff, this step constantly. Uh, You would think of it like if you were, I mean, I wouldn't want to be this guy, but if you were in like some sort of grid down apocalypse scenario and just picture a building that is powered by a single guy riding a, a bicycle, a stationary bike, and that bike's hooked up to a generator and he's pedaling on the bike. And eventually, you know, he's going fast enough for long enough that the lights in the building start to flicker on. And he's so happy that he throws his arms up and he takes a break and he slows down pedaling. <laughs> That's a huge mistake, right? Because as soon as he does that, not only do those lights not stay on, but it's pretty much a guarantee that nothing else is going to turn on either. And that's really just the idea is that when it comes to being intentional and having an approach, a strategy for trying to have intentional and consistent spiritual conversations, this is an always on kind of thing. You don't do this once and then turn it off. This is a this is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. And so we should always essentially be in prospecting mode, always looking to generate new conversations, always looking for new ways to generate interest in this discussion about spiritual things. And as soon as we stop, the well is going to start to dry up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is just like what Paul says in Second uh, Timothy uh, verse what, four, chapter four, verse two, it's basically be ready in season and out of season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like what Peter says also in first Peter three, 15. Yeah, the apologetics prepared. Yep, always be ready to make a defense. Exactly, and it's just that idea that we need to we need to always be on the lookout. We need to always be seeking conversations, which implies that we're always ready to have them, and that we have a plan for what we're going to do if we have them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're always to be on that lookout for any kind of conversations, um, even if they don't ultimately end up, you know, leading anywhere really we were making a distinction here because what we're not saying is that you should be uh, avoiding having any conversations that you might think are low potential or that you should even think that about people. Yeah. There are no low potential people. Exactly. And we're also not saying that you shouldn't be open to some spontaneous leading of the Holy spirit to just walk up to a random stranger and, you know, initiate a conversation because you felt prompted that happens to you. You are supposed to do it. Yeah. You you do do it. it. I mean, and this happens, we've talked about this. My dad shares these stories on Sundays sometimes. He studies at a coffee shop on a pretty frequent basis. And very, very often he has exactly those experiences where he sees a random stranger in the coffee shop and he feels very strongly led by the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to go talk to them. And when he does, it is, I don't think it has ever been a mistake. It has always been a spirit-led, spirit-directed, and and very important conversation for that person, that was a divine appointment. And so our point is is simply to say that those opportunities are going to come, and when they do, take them. Of course, take them. All we're saying is that 
all things being equal, if you kind of put those aside as, yeah, that's an always automatic yes. But in general, being intentional is better than just going out in your daily life with a, you know, whatever happens, happens attitude, which reminds me of that. That's very, I think, similar to the parable of the talents. I mean, if we think about it that way, when the, when the master was away, he expected his servants to be proactive and to be creative on their own, you know, of their own volition with the resources that he gave them. And in the same way, you know, we, we can, and we should rely on the leading of the Holy spirit always. But I also think that God expects us to use our own creativity, our own critical thinking to partner with him in how we try to help build his kingdom. And we were talking before this and I said, I don't even know if I want to say this because of how it could be construed, but I'm going to, I'm just going to do it (laughs) is I feel like there are, there are times and ways in which we rely on the Holy spirit too much. And before, before the pitchforks and the torches come out, I need to clarify because what I'm not saying is that, you know, there are plenty of appropriate ways in which we should be utterly dependent each and every day on the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to this and other things in the Christian life, there is a tendency amongst some of us to go out into our day unprepared to have spiritual conversations, unstudied up. We don't know. We haven't read our our Bible. We haven't prayed. We haven't read or, or have studied what other people that we know we're going to come in contact with believe or might believe. And we just sort of throw our hands up and close our eyes and just say, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Holy Spirit, just guide me today. And it's like, I, again, back to the parable of the talents. I honestly think in those particular moments, I think God's looking at us like, well, that's kind of your job, right? Like I could do that, but that's why I chose to use you in the Great Commission. That's why I chose to partner with you to spread the gospel and to to redeem the nations and to do all those things. It's that like I'm partnering with you and I expect you to to do something about it, to use your use your mind, you yeah. know, that I gave you to try and accomplish this and to partner with me. You know, Jesus didn't say, stay here and wait for people to come sign up to be disciples, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, he's, you're supposed to go out. You're supposed to seek it, which implies that you are ready for whatever happens when it happens, right? So those are our two principles of, of looking for varied ways of generating conversations and also looking for things like with the bicycle analogy that you can sustain for pretty much ever. Because if this is supposed to be a lifestyle, if this is supposed to be a always on thing that we're doing, then you really shouldn't be ideally stopping and starting or having seasons where you're looking for conversations. You should always be. So in order for us to think through creatively, hey, so based on all that, what could we actually do practically to try and generate spiritual conversations in an intentional way? What part of that conversation is going to be, well, how do they how do they fit through those two filters of being targeted and being pretty much indefinitely sustainable? And if they can go through both of them, then, hey, that's probably a good idea. It probably makes the cut. But some of them may fit better or worse into those 
into those filters. So let's look at a couple examples rather than being super vague. So let's take one example. So our example, first example is, let's say that we have the idea that we're going to host a neighborhood or even just your street, but let's say in your neighborhood, uh, a block party with food and games like you know, cornhole and frisbee and things like that, and live music. And at the end of that event, it'll be for you know a few hours. We let everyone know that this is an outreach ministry. It's a com- community building ministry, and then we distribute tracts and info on our church. I mean, honestly, to me, just on the face of it, that sounds like a really cool event and a really good way of generating awareness of maybe even generating some spiritual conversations right on the spot and even maybe getting people to to show up at your church. But what we need to do before we just jump into the deep end and say, well, that's great. Let's do it is we need to, we need to ask ourselves the questions of, does it make it through our filters? So first filter is, is it targeted? What do you think, Brady? I mean, not really. Right. Perhaps if your neighborhood is near or next to your church, you know, maybe that mm-hmm. would make sense kind of as a, a one-off way of letting folks know, you know, that you're right there. Yeah. I mean that it could be, and it, this is maybe a, it depends. So like when you said, not really, like, I think that's the same thing is it, it could be targeted, but also if you're, it's almost like live mailers, right? Like you're putting flyers on everyone's door. Now that said, if you're canvassing a neighborhood and it's an event, then only the people who show up to the event, if you're honest about what the event is up front <laughs> and you're not being deceptive, then the people who show up to your event have basically self-selected to be there. So that's sort of targeted because they came to you. Right. Again, if if you were up front that, hey, this is a church ministry event and we're going to provide this for the neighborhood. So that would be an important distinction to make. So, you know, maybe we don't have enough information to say whether it really is or isn't. But it's not as targeted as, as it could be, for sure. So what about our other filter? Is this kind of an event indefinitely sustainable? I think, you know, for most churches, definitely, you know, all individuals, it's is not going to be. I don't know anyone. I don't know most people who have the monthly budgets to be able to do something like this on a regular basis, except maybe you know, super large churches in our area, you know, but in general, it's, it's not something that you could be affording you know, by yourself, but if you're trying to build a community and, you know, relationships through it, probably be at a minimum frequency. Yeah. Of a monthly thing. Yeah. And I mean, even then once a month is probably the bare minimum, like you said, it would probably need to be more often than that. So now you're talking about having this event, what, every two weeks, every week, like that just, that becomes really, really cumbersome, especially yeah. financially. And from a logistics perspective, I mean, you're, you're, you got to probably line up entertainment and all those other things. So again, it's a, it's a really cool idea. And I think I've even experienced things that are kind of similar to that when I was in college. So don't hear us saying like, we're not, we're not poo-pooing the idea <laughs> per se, because if the fact is, is that we're like, well, that wouldn't work for most people. If you happen to not be most people and you're like, oh, that's let's do it. Well, then do it. Right. Go for it. Right. If that's something that you can do and it does make it through your filters, then go for it. Because just because and this is part of what we want you to see is using ideas, thinking of brainstorming, being creative with each other and coming up with ideas. 
ideas might make it through some people's filters that get caught in other people's filters. So it doesn't mean that because it doesn't go through ours that 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 is a bad idea. Don't do that. It means every one of us needs to be thinking of ideas and then deciding for ourselves if that's something that we can do on a regular basis and right. something that, you know, is going to work for us. So that's that's part of it. So let's let's take a look at another example. And this one will be a little more small scale, uh, a little more grassroots. But let's say that every Saturday uh, or even on a particular weeknight, you and your small group decide you're going to go to a local community college and you're going to hang out at a specific area. It's a community college, so you can be there. And you're not going to walk up to people at random. So you're not on the street witnessing things. But instead, you put up a table with a sign and the sign says cookies for questions. And when someone approaches you and they ask you, hey, what's the deal with this? Because they're a college student and they saw a sign that said cookies. Then you tell them that you're part of a local church nearby and that you're interested in understanding what students like them think about the big questions in life. And you have a short list of like three to five questions in a survey format. And it's just going to take a few minutes to answer. And in exchange, they can take an individually wrapped large cookie as a thank you, right? So if that interests them, or maybe they just look super hungry, <laughs> it's probably a slam dunk for a conversation, right? Because, and remember, they came to you. So they showed up to you and sort of self-selected to be there. So again, we're kind of along the same lines. But then as far as the questions go, you could ask questions like, you know, do you believe there's a God of some kind? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Do you think that morality is objective, that it exists independently of human society and culture, or that it's subjective and that, you know, essentially we create it? And however you answer, what's your reasoning, your grounding for the answer that you give? Uh, another question could be, what do you think happens to a person when they die? Is there anything after this? And if so, how would we know? And then one more example, what's your take on Jesus of Nazareth? Was he who he claimed to be? or or not and again how do you know based on the answer that you give so those would be great conversation starters you're getting right to the point and starting spiritual conversations right away with people who have come up to you and knowing what they're getting into have agreed that hey yeah let's have this conversation and yeah you're bribing them for it but <laughs> they're college students food always works so let's run this food through our filters and let's see how it would compare to our other idea for a conversation starter concept. So first, is it targeted? Yeah, I think uh, definitely more so than you know the first idea. Part of that is probably because college students, if you're in college, you know this, right? Part of what college students do in their downtime is they have <laughs> deep philosophical conversations or ethical dilemmas and, and well, or they're just thinking through religious issues. They, because their professors enjoy enjoy making them squirm right your your freshman philosophy professor is just overjoyed to make you know students have crises of faith in their freshman year but but that's actually good for us if this is our idea because that means that if they're already thinking about philosophy if they're already thinking about religion and ethics and dilemmas and big questions then the pump is sort of already primed for them to talk about big topics. So it's not crazy out of left field to expect a college student to already be thinking about some of these things. 
In fact, I mean, you might not even have been their first conversation about some of these topics that day. And so if you're talking with a self-selected group of students and they approach you and they initiate the conversation, it might even just be out of curiosity, but then you're not trying to weed through people by essentially cold calling in person, just walking up to people and saying, hey, would you take a survey? Hey, would you take a survey? You know, so what about our next filter? Is this is this kind of thing sustainable? Yeah, I think so. I mean, your biggest financial expense is going to be the cookies, right? And you can get those wholesale at Costco so many cookies. Or Sam's Club. Yeah. Big box stores are great. Yeah. I mean, so you're going to get a lot of cookies for a pretty low investment. Yeah. And the, you know, individually wrapped treats, you know, they're important because, you know, there isn't going to be any kind of safety concerns or something about, you know, being homemade. Yeah. Don't make a jello salad and offer people a slice, right? That's not really what we're going for. But yeah. And so, I mean, if the big, really the bigger expense, the biggest expense of all is just the time commitment that you're making to be there. But again, if that's what you're, you're going there for that. So you're, you're kind of, you, you knew that going in. Right. So on paper, this idea seems like it might, you know, for you and me anyway, it might be worth pursuing. And so what other ideas we've kicked around a few, Brady, what other ideas could maybe work for you depending on your context and your filter? Let's throw out some ideas for them. Yeah. I mean, you could be, you know, inviting, you know, different neighbors over for dinner like once a month. Uh, you know, you could be scheduling like play dates between your kids. You know, if there's others in your community that also have kids, you could frequent the nearby parks um, and just striking up those conversations with some of the other parents that you meet. You know, that happens organically anyways. Yeah. You could also join discussion groups or forums on hot topics. And I'll just say like, <laughs> like the maps, the old, the old timey maps used to say like, here be dragons, like abandon all hope, right? Those who enter. If you're going to join a forum on a topic like Christianity or atheism or even a cultural issue like LGBTQ issues and just seeing what kind of arguments and objections that people are raising to your perspective. I mean, honestly, again, fair warning, you need to know what you're getting into because it's going to be difficult to let all just the weight of that stuff roll off your back. But if you're wired that way, if that's something that you can endure or you have a support system that can keep you encouraged through that, then you just need to go on and honestly just do a lot of listening and ask a lot of questions and really just try to understand their perspective. So maybe even doing something like that isn't so much about you sharing your perspective and, you know, essentially preaching to them. It's more about saying, Hey, I am the person that you're talking about over here. And I just want to understand. So can I ask some questions and can you, I'm interested in hearing your story. What happened to you? How did you come to have this perspective that you have? And to just begin the conversation that way, that's another great way to do it. Right. You know, and again, keep in mind that the goal here is that you're going to find a handful of these things. You're going to do them all as sustainably as you can. And if you do, you know, I think you're going to find that having a lot more of these uh, conversations in general is happening, which means you've dramatically increased your chances of having either a spiritual or religious you know, topic come up, you know, at some point in the future. Yeah. If you're doing, if you're doing half a dozen of these different things all at once, good grief. I mean, like you're, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a conversation, but it pretty much guarantees that your chances of having one are, are much higher compared to when you weren't doing any of these things, right? Because you're just putting yourself out there more and you're putting yourself in the way of conversations. And so again, at some point, 
with someone, it's going to come up. And because you were there, because you were intentional about being there, you're there and you're ready when it happens. That's really what the looking for a hundred ways to generate one lead is really about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've walked through two very specific ideas and then, you know, I've given you a handful of other additional examples and we really just want you to leave with the tools to be able to creatively come up with your own strategies. You know, they're going to fit your circumstances and your personality. Uh, the stuff that we mentioned isn't going to work for everybody. So that's where, you know, the idea of a toolkit or a template that is really where it comes in. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to give you four sort of concepts and, and summary points here to help get this toolkit mentality in your mind. So these are questions you can ask yourself that are going to help you narrow down maybe what some of the ideas could be for you and, and how to brainstorm more effectively. So here's the first one. Based on your situation, and only you really know that, where do you go or where could you go outside of your church that has the highest likelihood of spiritual things coming up in conversation? To think about it a different way, it would be this. Where are people most likely to already be thinking about spiritual things again you know other than at your church that might be the first place that you should target because in sales speak that would be a place that they would call high yield you want to be you want to be more like the ice cream scoop in the frozen treats aisle at the grocery store than the sign flipper on the street corner and what i mean by that is you know the ice cream scoop in the frozen treats aisle People are already there to get ice cream. And so while they're already there to get ice cream, they might see the ice cream scoop and go, oh yeah, we need another one of those. And it's sort of the, it's an impulse purchase, but it's also intentionally placed in a amongst people who are going to automatically be more interested in buying an ice cream scoop, as opposed to a sign flipper on the street corner that's completely untargeted. It's like, well, you have no idea how many or if any of the people that you're waving that sign at even cares or knows about your product, right? So you just want to be more intentional and put yourself in the way of where people are just more likely to be interested just because they're there. Right. And that's the idea of, you know, warm leads, right? They're, they're already warmed up to the idea, which is going to, you know, require less of an investment on your part to, to pour into them. Yeah. You know, and then really next it's, you know, when are those people most likely to be there and able to have those conversations, right? Timing is going to be everything. And if you're trying to catch people in a rush, it just doesn't make sense. Right. So like we talked about college students. So finals week, not the best timing, right? And, and part of it is doing your research and knowing when they're going to actually be available. So that might be weekends when they don't have classes. It might be at a certain time of day when they're in between classes, or maybe it's just a place on campus like the quad where like no one's having class there, so they're just hanging out. So, but you need to be strategic in your timing for sure. So the third thing, the third question to ask yourself is, if striking up conversations in this context, wherever that happens to be, whether it's a college campus or the grocery store or Starbucks, if that wouldn't happen organically or naturally, what do you need to do to incentivize it? And that just means like there with the cookies for questions kind of idea is, is there a way or I mean, and I'll go back to my dad, I'll use him as an analogy. Sometimes the only incentive that's needed for him or someone else to start up a spiritual conversation at a coffee shop, again, which is not a place that that would happen organically or naturally most of the time, is the fact that he is reading his Bible 
out in the open and it's just it's just out there so just by having the bible on the table that sometimes is just enough incentive for people to approach him complete strangers and make a statement or start a conversation so it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be bribery like what we talked about earlier but it's just to think about how could you how could you break the ice essentially before you even say anything and that could just be a bible on the table so that's another thing to think about is how do you incentivize or, or break the ice for those conversations happening if they're not going to just automatically happen on their own. Right. You know, and last is, is really going to be running it through our two filters that different from the other ideas and is it targeted? And if so, is it sustainable, whether financially or, you know, from a time impact perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and can you do it frequently enough for it to have an impact. Yeah, if you're able to do something once every six months, I mean, it depends on what it is, but probably not going to have a, the kind of consistent impact that that you're looking for. So running it through your two filters is is really important. So I hope that these these questions and this this concept here can give all of us some ideas and, and can give us a template for how we can begin to think about ways to be more intentional and strategic about just putting ourselves in the way of more spiritual conversations. Because if we do, then the simple math would say, then if you put yourself in the way of more conversations, then you're going to have more conversations. And I think that's the goal. So in future episodes, we'll talk about what to do when you find yourself in a conversation. But for now, like we said, you got to be in the room with them before that can happen. And so hopefully these have given you some ideas we would love to hear uh, from you if you were able to generate some ideas, if you're able to try some new things that you're, you wouldn't have tried before because of this, or even to just uh, hear about uh, stories from you of things that you've ha- uh, been able to do, conversations you've been able to have with people. That's, that kind of stuff is just super encouraging. So we hope that you'll find this encouraging as well, that you'll use it, that it will help you. And we are looking forward to the next episode of the Rooted Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.